This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Hey, it's Sam the Cooking Guy, and this August I'll be hosting the first annual Wasted Sustainable Cooking and Mixology Competition to benefit Kitchens for Good. San Diego's top chefs and mixologists will compete to see who can create the tastiest treats and drinks using food waste. Go to wastedsd.com for more info. Today, this is your friend Dennis Connor. It's been a week now since the uh, dust has settled in Bermuda. We uh, hear a bit of uh, information coming from Bermuda, a bit of information coming from New Zealand, the ultimate winner. And uh, I just thought I'd try to put a little bow around this. And starting with the event itself, the uh, event in Bermuda went about as they expected weatherwise. The winds generally uh, cooperated. We had uh, 6 to 15 knots of wind almost every day. They lost two races to a not enough wind and two races to too much wind. But, gosh, that could happen anywhere that you have a rule with the uh, wind parameters uh, in place. So that worked out all right. The uh, spectators came, especially for the J-boats. There was a lot of people that came. Remember, there's 40 boats, 40 people on these boats. So you had 40 people plus their wives. Some of these J-boat guys, 60 people at, uh, I don't know what they're, they're making, but probably 15000 for the week. Or, so you're talking 100000 times 40, $4 million just in salaries for these these guys. So a big, big commitment. And, of course, they would take the whole entire hotel and dining facilities, et cetera, et cetera. And how do you get around in Bermuda with no cars? And so everything is, has to be done with a uh, taxi or a van, so a big mess getting around. All in all, I, I think that uh, the people in Bermuda really enjoyed the event. I think they're going to be wondering where the money went and where is their return on the $75 million. But at this point, that's not our problem. That's really Stephen Dunkey's problem if he wants to uh, be reelected. So the uh, political ramifications usually come a little later, and we saw that happen in San Francisco as well. So what about the uh, racing itself? Well, obviously, uh, Team uh, New Zealand dominated, but it could have been it could have been a little different. And of course, the starts in these races, there was oh, out of the forty races, there were maybe ten races that I would say had an exciting moment in within the race. The rest of the races were per- pretty boring. Once the one boat got around the leeward mark, and a race that takes eighteen minutes got fifteen minutes to go, you know what real chance is there to pass when you? Roped in by the sidelines, the, the boundaries of the course, it, it, it takes a really a bit of very for, a fortunate, fortunate luck 
or a mistake from your other guy to make a pass. So that that was the situation. And, and of the 40 races or so, uh, there were mm, five or six uh, times that were uh, there was a lead that we exchanged because of an error. So though the first one that comes to mind, of course, is that when uh, Team New Zealand got behind, tried to, at the start, tried to catch up, get up on their foils too too fast, put the flaps all the way down. The boat came jumping out of the water like a uh, plane on a uh, short runway. It came out of the water, came back down, bow first into the wake of the boat ahead and did a uh, complete uh, topsy-turvy cartwheel. And gosh, I thought, well, it's the end of the America's Cup for Team New Zealand. But they made a fantastic recovery. I think that's the story of the match. As far as the teams uh, go, the, the the Team New Zealand with a short, relatively short-handed group really came through and got their boat back out the next day. So that was one error. Another error, uh, we saw two errors uh, committed by the by the Swedes when they went out of boundary when they were in the lead. It cost them the race because if you go out of the boundary, it's like committing a foul. So you have to wait till the other boat comes uh, up and passes you and gets two boat lengths ahead. And if it happens on leg four of the six legs, you're sunk. So we saw uh, that that uh, mistake happen twice. And then we saw a dial down where Team New Zealand dialed down uh, Oracle into a port on a port starboard crossing. You, you're able to, the way the rule reads, you're able to dial down 90 degrees from the wind. Team New Zealand felt they did that. Oracle felt they went more than 90 degrees, had to make an initial uh, alteration and then another one, and that they 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 were clean, but the judges said, uh, uh-uh, not so fast. And uh, Oracle was uh, deemed to have fouled. Had to wait for Team New Zealand to go by, two boat length lead, upwind, one leg to go. So that that, that race was over. So those are four uh, prominent mistakes. Other than the start, now the start is, is an interesting dilemma on these boats. Uh, it's not just like, oh, well, Dennis says, oh, we have a minute and 25 seconds to go, and we're a minute 30 from the line. We better get going, uh, or we're we're late. These boats all have computers that say how far they are from the line. So when you see them uh, up and down, down and up, trying to hook the other boats, all the while there would be a display on the boat for the helmsman to see that um, whatever it is, a minute 20 seconds to go, 40 seconds to go, and how long it will take for them to get there. So when you see the, these boats coming up to the line, and just an incredible, you know, sometimes at 25, 30 uh, knots, it's almost 40 miles an hour at the start. How do they hit these lines so close? It's because the computer is helping you. But but not so fast. If you're uh, getting a little desperate, if you think that the other boat might have a little edge on you, like Oracle was thinking that Team New Zealand might have a little edge on them, you are you start getting wow! I better get a good, perfect start here and get ahead at that first mark because that's the whole race. And if I can get uh, ahead a minute later at the leeward mark, I can just cover them up, win, and win the race. So the start were were critical, and we saw that um, New Zealand won seven of the eight starts, but two of those starts was Oracle was over the line early and had to wait for. Team New Zealand to go by by that uh, two boat links that we were we were talking about, and everybody said, "Oh, what a lousy job James Spithill was doing." 
But I was trying to put myself in his spot, and I was thinking, if I'm going to lose this race, and uh, I, I better make sure I'm ahead at the start, no matter what. So in those races that he was over early, I just think he was going for it and, and made a small error. Don't forget that um, one boat length in, uh, in uh, 15 seconds, uh, I mean, in f- f- 15 seconds uh, is a boat length. They're going like um, 40 miles an hour. Uh, one second is like uh, 25 feet. So if you're a half a second early, you're over the line. And so if you wanted to win the start, you better be on that line because even if you're over, think of it, all you have to do is give up to two boat lengths and you're back in the race. It's not like you fouled out. So you might as well make sure you're, you're really on that line and going for it because if you're behind, you're going to be two boat lengths behind at the first mark anyway. So I, I have to give uh, a little uh, shout out to James Fiddle. He wasn't as bad as he looked because uh, – it, it wasn't pretty, and winning seven of uh, eight races for New Zealand uh, really uh, made made Oracle look bad and made them have an uphill battle for the rest of the racing. So when Oracle did uh, have a day off uh, because of uh, the, uh, some inclement weather, they changed their, their whole boat around, and they definitely sped up from uh, races one, two, three, and four to the next race. And they came out and they won a race. So now it's four to one. And everybody says, oh, gosh, here we, here we are, San Francisco deja vu all over again. But it wasn't quite that easy. Uh, Team New Zealand wasn't really rattled. They came back and uh, with the help of an error by uh, Oracle, they uh, won the, the next three races and the series seven to one. So that was that. And uh, finished business for Team New Zealand, and, and they were really excited. They never really showed that much exuberance during the racing, but at the end, you could see that there was going to be a happy group of uh, 30 or 40 Kiwis that are going to celebrate hard that night and and well-deserved victory for them. Okay, so now what? Well, when you win the America's Cup, you get to determine the venue. That's number one. And so what about the venue? Well, I was uh, looking in the closet six months ago, and I thought, well, Emirates Air, they're not putting uh, three, $400 million behind Team New Zealand for nothing. They must have a deal that if the Team New Zealand wins, the Cup's going to go to uh, Dubai. They, they love their racing there. It's in their blood, the, the horse racing, the car racing, the, the uh, hydroplane racing. So I figured... Well, if Team New Zealand is going to win, we're headed off to Dubai. But it uh, shows how wrong I can be because it appears that uh, the New Zealanders are caught up in having this event again in Auckland, much like they did uh, the last America's Cup, 2003. And uh, they're really excited about it, looking forward to it. It's so much so that the government uh, uh, wrote a check for $5 million to Grant Dalton to pay, clean up all his bills put something in the bank so that he can still get continue to pay uh, that uh, outage and uh, the uh, Peter Burling will stay on payroll and won't get hired off by someone else like what happened to the Italians. And uh, they're looking for a successful defense in, in Auckland. The Viaduct Village, for those of you that were there last time, that's history. 
where uh, the Stars and Stripes compound was there, uh, right next to the French, ne- next to uh, New Zealand and Oracle. That that's all gone because it's all turned into co- apartments, condos, shops, and restaurants. Is a whole commercial, tremendously viable area in downtown Auckland. So that's not available to have the cup. So they're going to have to build a new in America's Cup Village. Uh, I think that the New Zealand government will find the money based upon how uh, successful the last round was. Hopefully, they'll they'll keep it for a couple of uh, America's Cup cycles, and they'll get their their money back. But even if they don't, they're going to have a new commercial, uh, whatever they build out there in the piers, out into the Auckland Harbor, the uh, new America's Cup Village that I'm sure will be uh, well received and uh, well sought after by the commercial ventures. In Auckland, so that's what's going to happen as far as the venue. I think we're going to see a three and a half year cycle. So a half a year puts us into from July puts us into the spring in New Zealand. Don't forget they're on the other side of the world. So the, their summers are 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 uh, fall and winter. So I think you'll see the event three years from next. Uh, December, three and a half years from now, will be the, the timetable. So that, that's what uh, my, the best G2 that I can give you at this point. Well, what about the competitors? Well, the competitors are going to have a lot to do with the boats and, and the nationality rule. You all hear uh, and read uh, the uh, basically fake news about uh, why aren't we going back to the nationality rule like we used to have. Well, the answer is... I don't believe there ever has been a nationality rule. Uh, I've, I've looked, and I, I, I haven't seen it. And uh, my racing in the America's Cup, it's, it's never been in place. give you an example. When uh, Sir James Hardy was racing, he had uh, Andy Rose and his crew, an American from Long Beach. So obviously they didn't have all Australians. And uh, for the first, since 1851, when the Cup uh, really got started— when America uh, won the Isle, uh, a race around the Isle of Wight, the uh, boats are, were quite large. You've seen some of the half models I have, some seven feet high with a crew of 40. Well, these crews were uh, basically uh, Norwegians. They, they, they were the seamen that uh, ran these big boats. They knew how to sail, knew how to get the square soles up and down, set the jibs. For all these sales, they, they weren't uh, countrymen of the uh, challenging or defending clubs. So when the J-boats were racing, uh, for instance, uh, Vanderbilt and Ranger, uh, there were an uh, afterguard. They had an afterguard of uh, four or five, six people, Arthur Knapp, the wives of the owner, and uh, a couple of friends, and the whole rest of the crew were all Norwegians. So, And, and they also, interesting— they slept on the boat, so they had cots, uh, slings, uh, basically netting up in the bow, and uh, the, 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 this was their home. So when they sailed the boats across the ocean, uh, which uh, they were basically required to do in those days because the racing had to be on the arm of the sea, so when they sailed their boats over here, they, they sailed across, lived on the boat, and when they got here, they took some of their personal gear off, although these were big boats, not really necessary, and uh, the, the crew lived on the boat. So there's never been a nationality rule. But there's been a clamor for one uh, off and on over the years by the, by the media, which we know fake news. They probably uh, 
didn't know what they were talking about, honestly. So there, there never has been a nationality rule, but I think there might be one in the coming up. This might, because it could be in the best interest of New Zealand to have a, a nationality rule. They had uh, all uh, New Zealanders, with the exception of, of uh, Glenn, and one Australian. So maybe they'll have, uh, depending on the boat, ninety percent uh, crew from your country of origin, if you will, and maybe ten percent. So you, there is room to have one or two foreigner in, in your crew. And the reason this is important is because the uh, Swedes, they uh, don't have a, lot, a great deal of depth in sailing big boats. You know, they're, they're good in uh, some smaller boats, fins, dragons, lightning stars, but not in the uh, Transpac 52s or the uh, boats of that size. So they don't have a big resource as far as a depth of crew. So I think if the uh, nationality rule does come into effect, be very difficult for the Swedes, for Artemis to um, mount a challenge. Not impossible, but in three years they have to start training all their own people. It might be might be hard, and it might take a little of the fire and the wind out of the Torben Turnquist's uh, sails. So that's what, what could happen to them. I'm giving a uh, without knowing the boat and not knowing the nationality rule. I'm giving a low chance of the of the uh, Swedes showing up, not because of the money. Usually it's the money that keeps you from coming, but some of these other logistical uh, aspects of the uh, America's Cup that we could see show up from the hall to the, to the crew. So the uh, next, the French, well, Guprama likes Frank Camus. They have a long-standing relationship. He's, they've sponsored all his uh, trimarans and catamarans, and they put up the money for this uh, French America's Cup challenge. Although they didn't put up a, as much as some of the other teams, they still managed to get a boat out on the water. And uh, they could do so again if they were really anxious to do that. But New Zealand's a long way from France. So I'm giving uh, French low chances of along the lines of Artemis as far as uh, showing up. The uh, Great Britain, they're going to be there because the, Ben Ainsley's making a lot of money on this, and uh, he's not going to give that this money up easily. So whatever he made before a salary for running this team and the glory involved, Sir Ben, Sir ben Amesley, uh, get it, uh, is going to uh, keep him coming back again. So if he made five, ten million, he wants to see that five, ten million again. The uh, BAR, with the help of BMW, uh, excuse me, I, I said uh, BMW, but I meant Land Rover, a big commitment, Aberdeen, a uh, large financial institution, several uh, people outside of Great Britain gave him money. I, I heard there was a very wealthy lady from San Francisco that gave him $10 million. So here you had Americans supporting the uh, British, and it, it's hard to say, but it could happen again. And I, I think Ben Amesley is one of the ones you can count on to have a Strong challenge no matter what because of a big, big, big payday for him. And he set the expectations high for the great, for the, the British. They were in Bermuda like they owned the place. They took over the Royal Bermuda Yacht Club in mass, parties after parties, and they were just counting on having this cup back in, in England. But uh, he didn't sail well enough. Their team wasn't good enough. Their boat wasn't fast enough. And basically, they, they had to be uh, extremely disappointed in waiting 
for another chance. I'm sure they're eager and they want that payday to continue. So when you see all these teams, the, 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 the crew, saying, oh, well, let's just keep racing the same boats. They're, we, we own them. They're cheap. We know how to sail them. That's because they don't want the payday to end. They want to just keep the whole cycle going. Let's race again in two years. That way we'll, you know, we'll be able to make our house payments and send our kids to college. Nothing will be interrupted. But I, I, as I've said before, I don't think that's going to happen as far as like a two-year cycle. Not that they wouldn't use these boats again. They could very well decide for whatever reason to, that uh, these, these were good uh, vehicles of, of, uh, to duel it out with. If that uh, case happens, you know, there's some older boats that could be used. The hulls are all the same. They came out of the same mold. So I'm, I'm wondering, well, what about uh, SoftBank uh, Japan? If they don't come back, if Larry decides not to challenge, he's the one that really put SoftBank, uh, SoftBank in business. If Oracle doesn't challenge, I don't think you'll see SoftBank back. So that means their boats will be for sale. So if you wanted to have an America's Cup challenge from uh, San Diego, why don't you just go buy the uh, SoftBank boat? The, the, the boats are cheap. It already has this, the uh, spar and, and the boards. The systems are what cost the money, the computer and the controls of the, of the uh, boards themselves. That's where the money and time effort has gone into. I'm not sure if that uh, technology is proprietary or not. So you'd have to check that out. But it would be easy to race, uh, relatively easy to race one of these 50-foot uh, uh, boats by just buying a hull from someone else because I don't believe there is a requirement that the boat has to be built in the country of origin. So that, that's a little bit of, uh, of uh, G2 on the boats. As far as uh, uh, Oracle itself, I haven't heard much from Russell he didn't show up at the uh, prize giving. He was uh, uh, kind of conspicuous by his absence at the press conference. Uh, I I think that Russell's looking forward. He's built a golf course in Queenstown. He's looking forward to have, after, gosh, nineteen ninety three, wasn't it? Nineteen. They won the cup from us in San Diego, nineteen ninety five. So he's been at this, uh, you know, twenty two, twenty three years. He's made a lot of money. I, I think that his uh, – I have no idea for, to, what his contract is, but the uh, rumor control was that one of the reasons that he kept cost, the lid on the costs involved is he was cut in by Larry into the profit sharing. So whatever money they got, he, he was going to share in the excess, the, the residual, and uh, the more he saved, the more money that he got. So if he made $20, 25000000 million on this to go what he – uh, got for a bonus in winning in San Francisco and in Spain. Ru- Russell is a uh, wealthy guy. He- he's uh, made more money in yachting than than anyone, and you know, you could uh, make a case deservedly so. So if Russell has, decides I've had enough, this is not for me. I've got my golf course in Queenstown. I've got my best friend Billy Butterworth here to play golf with. I've made uh, hundred, you know, not hundreds of millions, but tens of millions of dollars. Why not quit? So if he wants to quit, I just uh, think that Larry will uh, have to reevaluate where he wants to go because he really trusted Russell. He gave him his checkbook, and he counted on him to perform and uh, put the Oracle name in good light, which he did. But without Russell, I just wonder where he'll turn. 
So it wouldn't surprise me at all uh, to uh, see Larry say, well, I've had enough. On the other hand, we know that Larry is a huge competitor. He loves to win. You see how he deals with with uh, his competitors in business. He, he uh, that gives no quarter, and he's not going to uh, like going out as a loser here in the America's Cup. Although you could say that he was really a winner because the boats uh, were well received and uh, liked by the uh, a lot of people that watched it. And uh, he, he'll come out of this just fine. But whether or not he shows up, gosh, it's anybody's guess. Uh, uh, you could go ask Tom Eamon he's, he's, or the people in San Francisco. They seem to have a lot better handle on it than, than uh, we do down here in San Diego. So if uh, Oracle shows up, then you could get SoftBank as well. No Oracle, no SoftBank, no Artemis, no uh, – French, so who will be there? Well, for sure, for sure, the uh, Italians. They're going to be the challenger of record. The Yacht Club in Corsica will uh, be working out all the rules and the protocol with Team New Zealand, and they'll be the guys that are going to carry the mantle for the challengers, where last time they had a committee, didn't really work out very well. That's why Team New Zealand wasn't part of the uh, protocol. They didn't sign the, the, the document, and... Uh, We'll have to wait and see how uh, the Italians get along with the New Zealands. My guess is they're going to get along just fine. They're going to be in accord on the type of boat, the uh, type of event. And uh, in four, five, six months, after they've had a chance to uh, get together, uh, relax, and uh, sort things out, we'll know about the boat. So. When we uh, know the boats, then we can hear the budget because we all know it's all about the money. If they decide they're going to race 80-foot wing uh, boats on foils, you're talking some money here. But this is, you know, this is not a beach party here that that we're going to here. This is the America's Cup. So we're we're not stock car racing in El Cajon here. You know, this is the the NASCAR at its finest. So the... uh, Costs will be there no matter what. This is not going to be, you know, a $5 million event. I mean, when, once uh, these billionaires got back in power, the money really uh, not not an object here. If they spend $100 million over three years, $30 million a year, they're, they're spending that on their yachts and the med. So the money is, is not a factor. But it, uh, for the poorer teams, so the upstart teams that are just starting – the money could be a factor, and of course, if it's a factor, money buys speed. They won't. They won't win. So, in three, four months, we'll know the uh, boats, and when we know the boats, the t- uh, timetable will be clarified. When we know the timetable clarified, we can have a budget, and when there's a budget, then we'll know who's going to show up. No one had any idea that after I lost the America's Cup in uh, 1983, that there would be 21 challengers. I just flabbergasted everyone. So. It could be there could there could be eight or ten challengers, but depending on the boats, I, I'm guessing more five or six, which is uh, enough to have a good event. That's how many we had this time, and uh, of course Auckland will be ready. The New Zealanders will be ready. They'll mount a, a, a good challenge. They understand these the foiling boats. Uh, the, these moss sailors are the best there is at at this foiling business, 
So uh, Outridge and uh, uh, will we'll be at the top of his game. He'll sign a big uh, contract, and he'll be back to defend the cup. A couple of things of, of interest that um, I can't absolutely guarantee, but I've heard, and that is that the uh, one of the, the boards on the Team New Zealand had a big crack in it, and you're, you're not allowed to have a replacement. So I heard that they sailed the last four uh, America's Cup races with a broken board, and then when they took it out and did an MRI on it every night, the crack was growing. The crack was growing. So there had to be some consternation and complete sleepless nights whether this uh, board might break. Because if it did, they're going to obviously lose the two races that day. And then you are allowed to have a heavier board. You are allowed to have a substitute board for strong winds. So if that board broke, they'd have to sail on one side with their heavier board, and they would have got beat, and the cup would have uh, stayed with uh, with Oracle, with Oracle. As far as um, the uh, salaries and, and the team, you know, Oracle had basically uh, a team of foreigners that. There were a couple of Americans on on the team, but they didn't race. Uh, Andrew Campbell, one of our accomplished young guys, uh, very, very good. Got a nice payroll from Oracle, but he never got to sail. He was relegated to the broadcast booth, which is really too bad because I, I think that uh, he, he's a real talent. And if there was someone uh, from America that wanted an American skipper, especially in a catamaran, you could do a lot worse than getting Andrew Campbell. We did have a couple of uh, Americans – Rome Kirby uh, was there courtesy of his father. Uh, he got him the job, I'm sure. And uh, they were, they were, these guys are, were well paid. We're not just talking $30,000, $40,000 a year. We're talking three or 400000 a year. So these are not just sailors uh, out there having a good time. They're, they're professionals. They, they were up at 5 in the morning in the gym training, sailing the B-boat. It was a real commitment by them. So they deserved the, the money. So that's the uh, situation, the uh, wrap-up, if you will. I think that there's some chance that, depending on the boats, if they do race these catamarans and you could have a used boat, you might see the guy from Chicago, he's very much into this, that wanted to have the America's Cup if Oracle won, at least one of the events there. You might see him um, a mountain challenge. And uh, there's some other interesting people. But I don't see Jim Clark stepping up from Comanche or uh, any of the big uh, ocean racing guys coming forward. They have their own programs, and it'll have to be uh, someone someone new. So I'm standing by, waiting to see what is going to happen, along with the rest of you. And uh, my plan is to continue to do some of these podcasts. So I, I, I'd like to, to keep doing those. I hope that you'll have, find some of the other thing, topics from Dennis interesting, and we can uh, grow together. So thanks very much for listening to me about the America's Cup. And uh, we'll, we'll stay in touch. There'll be, there'll be more news to follow. So goodbye for now, and uh, thanks for listening to Dennis Connor. <laughs>